Um, I just want to say one of the things I love about this service is that um, everything fits. Does that make sense? So um, this is not just a contemporary worship service. Um, we take liturgy very seriously here in this in this service. And what you just witnessed, what you were just a part of, is a very ancient practice going all the way to Exodus um, and probably even before that. And so we lift up the ancient. We celebrate the ancient. Um, we celebrate timelessness, really, that we do not just do what is what is current in terms of time. We just see that God is already current and is always current through thousands, millions, billions of years. God is always there. There is no separation. And because there is no separation, we allow any and all uh, expressions of worship that help us grow closer to that reality that God is already in the midst. So to our ministers and worship leaders, thank you for showing that in the form of dance. Um, it's one of the things I love about this service um, and, and about this church, really. And that's really what Stewardship Sunday is about. It's not about, you know, you guys need to give. It's the reality that you're already doing it. And today we get to celebrate it. And as we go into this holiday of thanks, we get to lift that up. And especially this year, I'm so happy and appreciative and excited that we that we did this series on all the good we can. You know, living into our United Methodist uh, heritage and um, practices of doing all the good we can, as often as we can, in all the ways that we can. But most importantly, to all the people we can. Um, I can't even read my own writing here. So how much can we really celebrate? I mean, I wish we could be here all day, and we probably could, but eventually you, you all would leave me. I would still be standing here like, hey, do you know we do this? And you know we do this? And you know we do this? But that's the beauty of this church. I'm not just talking about finances. I mean, that's in some ways, that's even secondary. But, but as we've experienced here today, the gifts of so many ministers, we've seen it on video, we've seen it in person, we've, we've heard it, we've participated with it. I mean, that's just a, that's just a fraction of how fantastic and how generous this congregation is. And that's what we're lifting up. And that's why we chose these uh, scripture passages. So one of them is from Philippians 2, as Paul is writing, um, probably from prison because of what he's been doing. He writes uh, a letter to his people. Remember, he's in prison with, with this. His life is on the line, and he writes to his people, if then there is any encouragement... Let's remember that if there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the spirit, any compassion and sympathy, if these things exist, then make my joy complete. Paul says, be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord, being of one mind. And that encouragement is important because, frankly, I don't know how else we do it. Um, as in some of the difficulties that Jeremy lifted up uh, right now, how 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 can we possibly be of the same mind? And really, what does that even mean? And so in order to do that, we need each other's encouragement because it is really hard to be of the same mind. Um, it, it is even, dare I say, impossible. So how do we do it? How can we possibly be of the same mind? So it's important to remember, Paul's not just writing this from prison, but he's also writing this letter in the midst of the own challenges and difficulties and hardships that he knows uh, his people are going through. And again, they're not necessarily particular in any way, because for many of us, even thousands of years later, um, we are likely going through them as well. Not necessarily the religious 
persecution part, but just the normal everyday challenges of maybe feeling overwhelmed or feeling like, am I doing this right? Am am I making a difference? Does God even see me? Does God love me? And so in the midst of this, he is imploring the Philippians to encourage them to just keep being themselves. Keep being who you are. Because who you are is a gift from God. Who you are and therefore what you can do is a gift from God. So continue to use that gift, continue to be that gift, and continue to see who needs that gift that you have, that you are as a child of God. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, Paul writes, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. And I know sometimes that can trip us up. Like maybe we're supposed to think as everybody, everybody is better than us. But again, remember, this is a modern English translation of what Paul was saying half a world away thousands of years ago. It's the idea of remember to see each other as God's people. And, and don't look at people as better than you in terms of value or worth. Just remember to continue to look at other people and let us not be so... Um, so much into our own needs and our own desires. Again, not to write them off, but in the midst of that, remember other people. Let us see other people. Let us see all of each other as God's people, as God's humanity. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. So let us be ourselves. Let us see ourselves, but let us also see other people. And realize that their needs are just as important and necessary as ours. Because when we do that together, that's how our needs are met. That's when our needs are met. And that's why we don't need to be selfish. Because as we're taking care of others, others are taking care of us. It is this great holy cycle of love and community that we have been called to as God's people. All people as much as we can let others be who they are meant to be so even as paul is enduring this imprisonment as he's facing execution he writes this beautiful letter just just of joy he says make my joy complete he says think of think of how great people are and and remind them how great they are celebrate their gifts thank them for who they are and for what they do he he's a, he's sustained by this kind of uh, canonic participation I want you to hold on to that word, canonic. I'm not necessarily, I'm not going to explain what it is right this second, but I will get back to it. Just, just remember canonic. Remember kenosis. Because this is a love that burns within Paul and, and a desire for the flourishing of others. For, for the actuality of others. For the everythingness of other people. A love whose joy can be made only when all people are included. That's really what Paul is saying. Make my joy complete by making everyone complete, by inviting completely. He wants all people to know God's love and God's joy for themselves. Now, I share all this because I have experienced as one of your pastors that very same joy that you desire for other people. Just uh, the last trustees meeting, as we were talking about all the business and stuff, someone asked, um, you know, how, how are the folks doing that we invited into the gym during the hurricane? 
And hopefully you remember this story, that during Hurricane Ian, we learned of about 25, 30 um, people from our migrant ministry partnership uh, who literally did not have shelter during the storm. And we said, well, bring, bring them over. Uh, we, we will house them. We will feed them. We'll, we'll give them whatever we have so that they can kind of ride out the storm and, and certainly be safe. And so they stayed in our gym during the storm. They were there overnight. Um, they left it in better condition than they found it. They, they swept it. And they, of course, were very, very grateful. And what the trustees were saying was, you know, that's what we do. You know, of course we would help. And David and I didn't really have time to call all of the trustees and say, hey, this is okay. We just kind of did it because the storm was fastly approaching. Um, but more importantly, we knew that this is what you would want us to do. We didn't have to wait to ask for permission because we know that this is your heart. This is who you are. And if you were there, you would have done the exact same thing. Because that's the church that this is. As we start a budget for a new year, the very first thing that we do more than anything else, and, and we even do this way into the summer as we're preparing for the next year, we start first with outreach. Who are we in partnership with? Who are we already in organization with? How can we continue to help them? Are there new opportunities that we can pursue? And in the midst of that, we continue to discern and see how it is that we are to, to act and to love and to give in this new year. We do that with outreach, and then in the midst of that, from day to day, we get phone calls. Um, if you ever have time, call Angela Everett, who's our front desk person, and just ask her, you know, how many calls do you get for uh, those who are in need? Make sure you have about an hour or so to chat, because she will tell you story after story after story. And again, not just with people calling with the need, but how it is that we are able to respond to that need because of your generosity. Because you say, take this and help someone else. We just started a new partnership with Zoe. And what we are happy to share with you is that we are not only in partnership with the Zoe group in Kenya, but we are also now in a partnership with Zoe in India. So our outreach is going even farther than before. We got about 50 new orphans, participants, who have started that ministry. And we're able to do that because of you. Because of all of you. Because you continue to say, let's help. This happens because we see people as people. And I know that can be hard sometimes. And it's not, and again, it's not just hard to see the stranger as a person, the person that we know. Sometimes it's even harder to see the person that we do know as a person, right? That, that person that we know so well that it gets under our skin. That person who knows us well enough to push that button, even though, even if they don't realize they're pushing it, right? Just who they are sometimes just, you know, grates at us. Can you imagine that person? Can you see them? Are you starting to feel tense? Because I am. I'm glad I have a t-shirt on today. The ones who push us so much that at some point we don't see them as a person anymore. We see them as an object or we see them as an enemy. We see them as a target. We see them as something that we need to vent this anger towards. To illustrate this, I thought of the greatest Thanksgiving movie of all time. Planes, trains, and automobiles. Now, if you haven't seen it, I'm sorry, but I'm going to spoil it for you. I've already watched it seven times. All right. 
This movie is like over 30 years old, okay? So if you haven't seen it by this point, I don't feel bad. Um, Steve Martin plays Neil Page, a, uh, a high-class marketing executive who likes everything to be perfect and is very upset and grouchy when it is not. He meets Del Griffith, who's played by John Candy, this kind of everyman shower curtain ring salesman. Both of them are trying to get home for Thanksgiving. Now, it's important that we know this. Both of them are trying to get home for Thanksgiving. And they keep getting forced into the same space together. They keep getting forced to live life together. They, they even have to share a, a motel room. They have to share the same bed because they're only one. And finally, Neil just can't take it anymore. And he lets Dell have it. So I want you to imagine that person, that person who really gets under your skin, that person who really itches you, who pushes your button. I want you to imagine just letting them have it because you don't see them as a person anymore. You just see them as, as this receptacle for everything that you've ever been bothered with by this person. Let's see what happens. You've got a free cab. You've got a free room. Someone who'll listen to your boring stories. I mean, didn't you, didn't you notice on the plane when you started talking, eventually I started reading the vomit bag? Didn't that give you some sort of clue, like, hey, maybe this guy's not enjoying it? You know, everything is not an anecdote. You have to discriminate. You choose things that are, that are funny or, or mildly amusing or interesting. You're a miracle. Your stories have none of that. They're not even amusing accidentally. I, I could tolerate any, any insurance seminar for days. I could sit there and listen to them go on and on with a big smile on my face. They'd say, how can you stand it? And I'd say, because I've been with Del Griffith. I can take anything. You know what they'd say? They'd say, I know what you mean. Shower curtain ring guy. And by the way, you know, when you're, when you're telling these little stories, here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. You want to hurt me? Go right ahead if it makes you feel any better. I'm an easy target. Yeah, you're right. I talk too much. I also listen too much. I could be a cold-hearted cynic like you. But I don't like to hurt people's feelings. Well, you think what you want about me. I'm not changing. I like, I like me. My wife likes me. My customers like me. Because I'm the real article. What you see is what you get. So remember I said kenosis, remember that, kenotic participation that Paul is writing about. Part of kenosis is this idea of Jesus being fully divine, fully God, and fully human at the same time, being that, that bridge of, of understanding, of knowing, and living between both realities of human and divine, that this is part of the incarnation of God being a person. 
Jesus' people. So when we say do all the good we can to all the people we can, this is part of Jesus saying what you have done unto the least of these, these people, you do to me. When you see other people, however you see them, that's how you see me. So in the midst of this story, Neil and Dale are continuing to journey together. They're continuing to get each other's nerves. They're continuing to make mistakes. But they also continue to see each other and discover each other. They discover that they're both married. Uh, Dale mentioned his wife. At one point, Neil says to Dale, you really love your wife, don't you? And Dale says, love is not a big enough word. It's not a big enough word. For how I feel about my wife. So they finally get to the last uh, bus station, uh, subway, to home. Dell's going to go one way to his home. Uh, Neil's going to go on another. And so as Neil is on the subway, as he's on the train, he's, he's sort of thinking about this experience that he's had with this guy. And, and he starts to notice that something's kind of odd. And so Neil decides to get off the train and go back. He decides to go back. He goes back to the station and he sees Dell sitting there all by himself. And he said, Dell, I thought you were going to go home. Why are you here? Dell says, I don't have a home. My wife has been dead for eight years. Kenosis is not just Jesus being fully divine and fully human, but it is the it is the practice, it is the living of Jesus emptying himself out so that he is present for all of us. Today is Christ the King Sunday, by the way. Liturgically, this is when we lift up Christ as the king, the, the king for the entire world of all creation, of all things. This is the king who, uh, instead of ruling over, empties himself, who gives himself fully and totally to us because he understands our pain and he understands our humanity. He understands our quirks and our stumbles and our failures as much as our successes and celebrations and calls us to do the same. Now, of course, we can't do this on a divine level, but he says, as people, we are to empty ourselves when we see those who are suffering, when we see those who are in pain, when we see those who are struggling to give of ourselves so that they may know healing and restoration. Because when we not only see people as people, when we connect with people as people, we connect to the humanity, we connect to Jesus's divine command when he says, go and do unto others. Feed my sheep, clothe the naked, feed the hungry, visit the lonely, love one another. Because when you do this to others, that's what you also do with me. And that is a spiritual experience because in that physical, we are participating in what we say, that outward uh, visible sign of an inward spiritual grace. That's why we give. You give because your gift matters, because you matter. So when we talk about doing all the good that we can to all the people that we can, 
Jesus is saying in his divine human way, see others as people and treat them as such. See them as me. See them as good. And do all the good you can to all the people you can. Do good because, and remember this, you are good. You are created in God's image and therefore you are good. And I know sometimes we forget that. This is part of what Jeremy was saying. And I understand because I forget. I allow insecurities and mistakes and voices and labels make me forget that I too am creating God's goodness. We all forget sometimes. And so it is part of our responsibility as siblings, as loved ones, to remind each other of how good we are. Not even because of what we do. First and foremost, because of who we are created in God's image. There's a quote that I heard uh, just recently, but I think about it almost every day. We do not see things as they are. We see things as we are. And so what will we choose to see and how will we help each other see that we are good? And so we need reminding. We need reminding that we are created in God's image. And that's why your gift matters, because you matter. And if we matter, then so does the rest of the world. That is why we give. That is why we serve. That is why we worship. Our gifts and our ministries help to encourage each other in those times when we need to draw strength. When we need to take that next step. When we need to go the next day. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians. Therefore encourage one another. Build each other up. Maybe that's even the vision for next year. Encourage each other. Build each other up. So that we may keep going together. So may we go forward and live in that paradox. May we go forward living in that call of goodness because that is who you already are. It is here on this table. It is here out in the world. May we go and participate it. May you have a wonderful and thank, uh, safe Thanksgiving holiday. And as we lead into Advent, we will see and experience hope. And so in that hope, may we go in God's love and peace. Happy Thanksgiving.